0: Uh, we normally meet uh, once a week on Wednesdays, and during that meeting, we do several routine things. We'll say the pledge to both the American and Texas flag, pray, and uh, we end with the four-way test, which is specific to Rotary. Well, just recently, we uh, changed presidents, and our new president has instituted something new that we do multiple times each week when we meet. He'll stand up. And he'll say, I'm excited. And we respond. There you go. What is it, Brett? There you go. Service above self. Very good. he would be proud. That's a catchy phrase, isn't it? Service above self. I mean, that's just something that just sounds right, doesn't it? Something that just sounds good as if we're supposed to be all about that, right? Well, we are. And though it's a good phrase to adopt, I want you to know that idea of putting others first, that concept did not originate, may be surprised, with Rotary in Jacksonville, nor with any other civic organization. That phrase is biblical, isn't it? Putting others first is what God tells us we're to be all about in His Word. And during Jesus' earthly ministry, he told his followers more than a few times that the greatest among them will be the last. He says in Mark 4.35, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus not only taught this, did he? He exampled this for us, as Jeff talked about earlier today. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look to the perfect example of service above self by looking to the person of Christ and the work he did here on, on, on this earth. If you have the, your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 this morning. We're continuing our sermon series entitled We Are Fellowship, and to begin, let's just look once again at our church's mission statement, and this week, we're going to do it aloud. I kind of botched that up last week. Here we go. Say this with me. Fellowship Bible Church exists for the purpose of making disciples by escorting people to Christ, establishing people in truth, and equipping people for ministry. Very good. It's a little better than last week, wasn't it? It's my fault this is what we 're all about, making disciples, and we talked about that uh, in, in this series we've talked about that the church this church, is the place where this happens. Several weeks ago, when I began the study, I share with you that we are all about making disciples, and to support this, we look biblically at ephesians four and in that text of scripture, Paul tells us that the role of the pastor teacher my role is to e- use the gifts that God has given me to equip you to use your gifts for the purpose of ministry for what reason so that this body this church will be built up that's clear in Scripture we're to be all about that well a few weeks ago we began to explain how we do this how do we make disciples and, and one way we talked about it is in and through corporate worship We talked about the importance of what we do here during this time on Sunday morning each and every week. This is the place where you come to learn about who God is. Learn about the God you're supposed to worship because we're supposed to worship in truth, right? And the way we get equipped for that is here on Sunday mornings. So that's why it's important that you come here. Commit to come here week in and week out. Last week... We discussed that another way we grow up in Christ is by connecting with one another. Living in community with God's people is essential for you to be what God has called you to be. And we talked about that. Well, this week, we're continuing with discussing how we make disciples, and we're going to talk about serving. We at Fellowship are all about serving. This morning, we're going to look to Christ's supreme example of service and humility and discuss how we as believers should be following His example. So let's look to God's Word on how to get equipped to serve Him as a church. Here's the first principle. Number one, don't think too highly of yourself. Anybody's toes sore yet? Like, man, Paul just hit us upside the head with this. Look at look at chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Paul explains here, first and foremost in this passage, that Christ has the highest status imaginable. He is God. And he shows that here. And the NASB says, although he existed, Paul is speaking of the time before Christ came to earth. Christ is eternal. He has always existed because he's God. And then he says, in the very form of God, meaning Christ is equal in person with God the Father. So what Paul is saying here is, before Jesus came to earth, he existed as the eternal Son of God, equal in person to God the Father. But even though that's the case, Paul says, even though he was equal in nature, in essence, and in form with God, Jesus refused to selfishly cling to his equality with God. And aren't you glad that he didn't? Aren't you glad he didn't say, no? I've got the same nature and essence as the Father. I'm equal to Him, and I refuse to become a part of my created world. He could have done that, couldn't He have? But He didn't. Instead, Paul says, He did not cling to these things, but instead He humbled Himself. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus gave up his authority and his title and his essence is God it just means he didn't cling to all the advantages that come from being God now here's what's interesting about what Christ did Christ who is in the very nature and form and essence of God who could have clung to tightly to the advantages that come from being God he chose to humble himself while we who are not even close to being who he is we refuse to humble ourselves we do don't we it's important for us to uh, be reminded of christ's humility because let's be honest we need it we need it don't we we do we think of ourselves too highly my daughter ava she's getting a little better at this but. For the longest time, she has not liked to clean her room. Okay? Big surprise, right? In fact, she kind of thinks she's above it. She even told me one time that it's my job to clean the messes that she makes. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need it. I need it. And one day I'm in the room and I'm cleaning up, I'm helping her clean, and I'm I'm cleaning up and, and I look over there and she's just playing. And I'm like, okay, I've got to put a stop to this, you know? something is wrong here I'm the dad and she thinks it's my job to clean up her messes we often reason in this way don't we we think we're above certain things that we should in fact be doing The world tells us you want to experience joy you have to have a, a high view of yourself you need to treat yourself to the finer things you need to think of yourself as being above certain things I read a uh, while back a slogan for some type of insurance it wasn't Don's so says for the most important person in the world you L'Oreal Paris slogan reads because you're worth it we're constantly being exposed to these types of messages now now scripture does say that we are special It's clear on this insofar as we're created in the image of God and that we're loved and cared for by God. But scripture also clearly says that we're not near as great and near as important as we think we are. We need to have a correct view of ourselves and I think reminding ourselves of the fact that Christ humbled himself. That should put things into perspective for us, don't you think? That should affect the way we view ourselves and our treatment of others and that's Paul's point to the Philippians Seminary Leslie and I worked as as house parents in uh, Memphis uh, for some uh, for, at a home for mentally challenged men we would give them the the weekend off and and we worked there and uh, we had to do a lot of things I have to be honest with you that were not enjoyable there was uh, one time when a, when a man that I was caring for he had he had broken his hip And he was an older guy, and I had to carry him. I mean, not carry him, but help him back and forth to uh, the bathroom and the shower. And without going into too much detail, just trust me when I say it was challenging. And I remember thinking to myself at times, God, when I surrendered to ministry, this is not what I had in mind. I want more than this. You know what? God had to really deal with me with saying, you know, if I'm not above being a lowly servant, neither should you be. Neither should any of us be. May we learn to think in this way of Christ, who is infinitely greater than any thought of us. If if he did not consider status as a thing to cling to, then neither should we. Which leads us to our second point, don't refuse to serve because of status. Don't refuse to serve because of status. Many think that because they're in a position of authority, there are some areas of service that are beneath them. They honestly think, I can't do that job, or I can't associate with that person because of my status. Well, look at verse 7. Christ made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What Christ became was so far beneath him. We have to grasp that. Now, when Paul says Christ made himself nothing, or emptied himself, don't think of it in terms of of subtraction, okay? Don't think of it in terms of what was taken away from Christ, but in addition, okay? It's not what Christ gave up, it's what he took on. He didn't become less than God. But he did empty himself by taking on flesh. That's what Paul tells us. He says, Christ made himself nothing by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In other words, Christ made himself nothing by becoming one of us. That's kind of humbling, isn't it? (laughs) By becoming a man... Christ did something he did not have to do. He took on a role he did not have to take on. If this is true of Christ, how much more so should it be true of us? I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of tasks that need to be done in our churches today. And uh, people won't do them. Some won't because they, they think they're above it. This may not be a popular statement to make, but I have to make it. I, I'm not a fan of those uh, spiritual gift surveys for this reason. I've had so many people use those as an excuse. Well, I've taken the survey, and, and uh, with working with kids, that's just not my spiritual gift. Cleaning the, cleaning the church is not one of my spiritual gifts. Doing the lawn, not my spiritual gift, and I have the documentation to prove it. I wish I could have used that excuse a time or two. Wish I could have used that as my trump card, not my spiritual gift. Really, what people are saying, though, when they make these kind of statements is either that's not my role or job to do it, or maybe even that job is not important enough for me to do. I've had people tell me that. Some people I've had say, you know, they refuse to serve in certain areas because uh, they believe they were fit for a more significant role of leadership. To me, those who are willing to pull up their sleeves and serve in ways that are not enjoyable but difficult, those are the ones ready for leadership. Christ could have rightfully said, I'm I'm God. I'm not going to empty myself. I'm I'm not going to become one of my created beings. But once again, aren't you glad that he didn't do that? Aren't you glad he didn't say that? We're remembering uh, 9-11 today, and and many of you remember a lot of the stories that that followed that one. In particular, is the story of Pat Tillman. Y'all remember that story? Pat Tillman walked away from $3.9 million and a lucrative career in the NFL to serve in the military, and that choice cost him his life. He could have stayed and played football and lived the life of luxury and reap all the benefits that come from being a professional athlete. But instead, you know what he did? In his country's time of need, he chose service over status and walked away from the NFL and gave his life for our country. Although Christ had every right to stay where he was, guess what? He came to us, didn't he? In our time of need. He gave his life for us. Second Corinthians eight nine says, "Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich." And Paul says, "Have this mind in you." So I urge you, follow Christ's example. Choose service over status. Number three, be willing to go above and beyond for others Paul says in being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross did Jesus go above and beyond for us It's an understatement isn't it you bet he did first notice that Christ went above and beyond for us by having a humble attitude Paul tells us that He was found in human form. Once again, the Creator entered into creation, not just as a human, but as a lowly human, the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. His glory concealed. He appeared outwardly as just another face in the crowd. John wrote in in John 1, 10-11, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not even receive him. We're told that even the, the most religious of people, especially them, did not, did not uh, believe in him. Even those from Jesus' own family had their doubts. That would have been difficult for me. How about for you? I'd have been I, I would have been tempted to say, you don't believe in me? Well, let me show you something. You know? I'll remove all doubt. But Jesus didn't do that, did He? For the most part, minus transfiguration and a few miracles and the the resurrection and ascension, for the most part, Christ's glory is concealed and He doesn't try to avoid this lowly state. We're the exact opposite, aren't we? We do. We do all we can to avoid appearing lowly. We buy nice clothes, drive nice cars, put trophies on the shelves, diplomas on the walls. Now there's nothing I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any one of those things as long as you're not doing it for that reason but but I'm I'm trying to show you here the humility of Christ by becoming one of us Paul also mentions here that Christ humbled himself once again Christ had a humble attitude throughout his entire earthly ministry we see that Christ didn't turn away anybody did he no matter how lowly he ministered to to the grossest of sinners prostitutes tax collectors all types of sinners he was extremely generous with his time, and, and he poured his life into others. Think, think to yourself. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. If you're God, there are certain tasks that you're going to think you're above, right? The reason why I know that to be the case is because we think that way now and we're not God. The Scriptures tell us Jesus went as far as washing the dirt from his disciples' feet. And he calls for them to do the same another way Christ went above and beyond for us was by coming becoming obedient for us you ever thought about that Christ not only died for us he lived for us didn't he he lived the perfect life he did what Adam failed to do that's why Christ had to come as a child he had to live the perfect life that Adam failed to live in our place and he lived his life in perfect obedience to God for us in Romans 519 we're told through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous only through Christ's righteous life and trusting in him can we be made righteous Paul says Jesus went even further than that didn't he by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross now notice Paul separates death from death on a cross, because in that day, there was death, and then there was death by crucifixion. Crucifixion was the most cruel and painful and shameful form of execution ever conceived. It was reserved for the lowest of slaves, the worst of offenders, enemies of the state. It was so shameful that Roman citizens could not even be killed by crucifixion. was forbidden because it was so shameful it was a public statement by Rome when one was crucified this person being crucified is beyond detestable that's what was said about Christ that's what they were saying when they said crucify him crucify him and Jesus went Jews also believed and taught that anyone killed in this way was cursed by God. The law in Deuteronomy said that a man's corpse shall not hang on a tree, but should be buried that same day so it would not defile the land. So that's, that's, they, they viewed it was it, a crucified Messiah. It just went beyond their imagination. How could a crucified, How could a Messiah, how could our Messiah be crucified? Because cursed is one who hangs from a tree. Paul shows us in this passage Christ went above and beyond to this extreme. Not only did he refuse to cling to his equality with God, not only did he empty himself by taking on flesh and dwelling among us and taking the form of a lowly servant, but he was obedient to the point of death, and not just any death, a painful death, on a shameful cross. The point Paul's making is this. If Christ humbled himself to this extent, how much more so should we humble ourselves? Wow, what a point, right? What an example. Look at what C.T. Studd says. I, I love this. I like his name too. C.T. Studd. He's a stud. This is a stud of a quote here. Here we go. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him that's paul's point but let's be honest at times we're 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 though we're willing to sacrifice some we we don't want to sacrifice too much in the way of our health and our wealth, right? There was a story of a missionary in Brazil who was uh He was at a religious festival, and he noticed a booth with a sign above it that said, Cheap crosses for sale. And he thought to himself, man, that's what believers are looking for today, aren't they? Cheap crosses. Many are willing to to bear a cross as long as it doesn't cost too much in the way of our health and our wealth. Sorry to tell you, a cross that doesn't cost, it's not worth bearing. we're going to follow Christ's example, we've got to be willing to sacrifice. We've got to be willing to go above and beyond in our service for others. And here's the truth of the matter. God calls us at times, though he does call us at times, to make sacrifices for him in ministry. He asks so little of us in comparison to Christ. He does. If the purest of all to ever live could endure betrayal, denial, trial, mockery, crucifixion, and the very wrath of God for us, how much more so should we be willing to obey God and sacrifice and go above and beyond for others? Jesus says in John ten forty-five: for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If the Son of Man himself, once again, did not come to avoid sacrifice, but to serve and give his life to accomplish God's purposes, how much more so should we be willing to roll up our sleeves and sacrifice and serve for the sake of others? Let me end this morning by just sharing with you a little bit about how we think about service here at Fellowship Bible Church. First, we affirm this what what scripture says but let me let me share with you about a little bit about what we're doing and some opportunities for you to get involved in this way there there's a reason why we want you to serve here at this church one of the main reasons why is because getting involved and rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty and serving it benefits you it does It's a key part of your growth in godliness. It's a part of becoming more of what God wants you to be. That's why we want you to serve. We benefit from it, yes, but you benefit more. We want you to serve for your sake, and we believe that that you being involved in this way, it's key for you to mature in your faith. Jesus gave a wonderful example of service, didn't he? We mentioned it earlier in the upper room when he washed his disciples' feet. And after he's finished, he called for them to serve one another in this way. Now, he's not literally saying you just need to continually wash each other's feet. But he's saying you need to be willing to do just this. You need to be willing to to do things that are hard, take on roles that other people think are beneath them, and serve one another in this way, just as I have done for you. In John 13, Jesus says... Blessed are you if you do them. This is key. Get this. He's saying, he's not saying you'll be blessed if you just sit around and talk about how good it is to serve. And he's not even saying you'll be blessed if you've served a lot in the past only. You know, there's a lot of people who say, well, I've been serving in the church for however long. Now I'm just going to sit back and coast. Let other people do it. Now Jesus is concerned with what you're doing right now for him. And he says you'll be blessed if you do them. Paul demonstrates this for us in Philippians. Look back real quick to Philippians chapter 2. Paul proves this by giving us Christ's example once again that there is joy and there is blessing to be had in humility and service. Notice what he says in verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted Christ and has bestowed upon Him the name that is above all names so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Although Jesus humbled Himself, put aside divine privileges that were rightly His, and became a servant and was obedient to the point of a painful death on a shameful cross, we're told here, he did not remain in that lowly state, did he? Although Christ emptied himself, God the Father responds by highly exalting him, by giving him a name that's above all names. Paul goes on to say here and there is coming a day, When every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Although humility and service, they're not always easy, are they? At times it's tough. Get this, the joy to be had and the blessings to be experienced through service are unmatched. A reoccurring principle throughout Scripture is just this, that God, He exalts the humble, and He punishes the proud. Proverbs 3.34 says this, God mocks proud mockers, but He gives grace to the humble. Christ said in Matthew 23, 11 through 12, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Are you upset times when you serve and you feel like you don't get noticed or maybe even get taken advantage of? Let me assure you of this from God's Word. When you serve, God knows. He does. He knows and He's pleased with your humility and He's pleased with your service. Rest in the fact that God blesses and brings joy to those who are humble, and to those who serve. Let me uh, just end by telling you a few, since we're talking about service, I thought I'd give a a few uh, key places, make mention of those where people are currently serving, and also places where you can get plugged in if you're not, to serve so that you can experience the joy to be had here and so that you can be blessed and mature in your faith. One way that you can help serve in my right water bottle here is uh, in children's ministry. Right now, we have people back there with our kids, giving their time. They give one Sunday a month to help serve in our kids' areas. What more? What's more important than that? I mean, that's extremely important. And there are those of you in here who help, and and I want to tell you, we we appreciate your service to our kids. We greatly appreciate it. It's so important but there are also needs. We need more. We need more workers. And I wanna encourage you, especially our moms in here, to consider giving one Sunday a month to help in these areas. This is so very important. And uh, you can talk to me or you can contact Connie. We'll, we'll find you a spot. I know right now they need some help in the kids zone area, uh, the K through third grade, right? And uh, so just one Sunday a month, an hour a month, that's, that's, a, that's a very minimal but quality commitment. Uh, we also need help keeping our church clean. Though we have some, uh, uh, somebody hired to do that, I mean, there are times when things get out of whack and when you see it, you know, when you see something messed up, don't assume it's going to get cleaned up by itself or somebody else will come along because they're probably thinking the same thing. But take initiative. This is your church. We also have a group of guys who take out the trash many many don't don't realize that but they do each and every sunday and i know they would love some help just be willing if if you're if you're able to do that just be willing to stay just a few minutes after and help these guys out i know they'd appreciate the help next saturday we're having a church work day well this is a a great way for you to get to know people in our church and get involved in serving uh... greeters ken stevens right back here rave your hand, Ken. He's doing a great job of getting people involved in greeting and uh, boy, that's a, that's a great service to our church because when people come and visit, they're the first impression and they direct people in the right way to, to get to where they need to get to. So this is important and I know he would appreciate your help. We also have ladies in our church who provide meals for families who have lost loved ones and who, for individuals who are sick and I know Monica Fisher's out but uh, if you want to get involved with this, we would love your help here. You can contact the church office. Uh, we have those who plan for special events. Connie does a lot of this. It's the fall; things are going to be picking up, and uh, we've got a lot of events coming up, and we need help. There's a fall festival meeting right after church. I want to encourage you if you're interested, if you're going to be here to help us in that way. We need a lot of help, but it's a lot of fun. So uh, this is coming up. Also. Thanksgiving dinner, progressive dinner at Christmas. We need people to volunteer time and resources to help in this way. We have special projects that we have going on here at the church, things that need fixing that I could never do. You wouldn't want me to do it. Uh, we have Casey Beach and Dwight Omanson have done a lot for our church in that area. So if you're gifted in this way, we, want, we, we need your help. I'm sure these guys would love your help to get involved in that way lawn care we have a group of guys a team of guys who who do lawn care in the late spring throughout the summer and in the early fall and they would love to have your help we have all the equipment here you just have to let these guys know and show up be ready to work during the worship service We have people help us out each and every week, singing, playing instruments. We have a sound crew up here and in PowerPoint. They they're here week in and week out serving, and we appreciate your service. We also have those who get things ready that we need to get ready for baptisms and the Lord's Supper. That's a lot of work. And they help us in that way. We have a women's ministry who coordinate meals and coordinate special events. For the women in our church, we also have men's groups that help people. They serve people in a special way in that they help people when they need uh, to move. They go. Crew of them go. And they help people move from house to house. Bill Wider back there. Wave at us, Bill. Bill will put you to work. Just let him know. All right? And I know I'm I'm missing some things here, but I just want to let you know, for those who are serving in these areas, we appreciate your service, and also to let you know if you're not plugged in, we have a lot of places for you to plug in. So I hope you see this morning that serving is, is one of the key ways for you to grow in godliness, just like worshiping, just like connecting. It's not optional. It's essential for you to become more of what God wants you to be. So I hope you will take serving seriously and follow the example of our Lord Jesus and serve here at Fellowship Bible Church. Would you pray with with me?